0: Uh, boy, it's so good to see you guys. I've been counting the days since I was last here and did not get to preach. Okay. Uh, really been looking, just joking, Greg, really been looking forward to it. Uh, I'm so excited about this church. I actually, Greg, I don't think I ever told you this, but I've, I've actually had thoughts of moving up here just to be a part of your church family. Uh, but then I see your traffic. And it's a little swampy around here, if you know what I mean. So, uh, but seriously, I just absolutely love this place. It's it's uh, you tell you what's what's very noticeable to me. Many churches I'm in, I am the youngest person there. In this church, I'm just. About, I think I may be the oldest, or close close to it. So many young adults here, and and uh, kids. If you're under 40, you're a kid to me. Okay. And so it's just refreshing. I love your music. I love, is it Josiah? Is, is Josiah still in here? Okay, I figured you're outside smoking. Okay. Uh, hey, cut those lights on me just a little bit if you don't mind. I want to I wanna see the, uh, the color. There we go. Can you all still see me okay? Okay, good. I want to be able to, I like to see who I'm preaching to. Hey, uh, let me show you a few pictures and videos of what you've been accomplishing. Before I show you this, though, you guys have been planting through your missions giving, I think it's two churches a month for the last year. And we've been able to apply that to a match that we've had, which really means you guys have been planting four churches every month. That's a church a week. Now, our churches are kind of small. But in one year's time, that's right at 1,000 new believers connected to a church that's been taught to multiply so in other words you could fill up this room two or three times easily with the people that you've reached for Christ directly overseas you're going to bump into those people in heaven it's my hope that uh, when you've been there 10,000 years you're still going to be meeting people that you helped to get there. We've got a video called the Turkana video it's taken uh, it's a group of Turkana people in Africa Towards the Sudanese border in Kenya. And this will be an example of what you guys have helped accomplish. You want to play it, please. You believers, three months old, worshiping Jesus under a tree in a drought stricken area in North Kenya. (laughs) I love it. to Praise the Lord. The amazing thing about that video is uh, in our system we have Pauls. Pauls uh, Paul be like Pastor Greg who trains church members that we call Timothys to go out and start churches. The Timothy, though, to graduate not only has to start a church, but they've got to raise up two of their own Timothys. And we call Timothy's Timothy Titus for just internally to, to, to note the distinction. So you got the Paul, you got the Timothy, you got the Titus. Many of the Tituses also start churches. That particular church was started not by Timothy, but by Titus. And it was only three months old when we got there. So those were all new believers from three months old that was reached not by the Timothy, but by the Timothy's Timothy. And so we're just excited about what's happening. That particular area, they're they're in a drought. You can probably tell it's pretty dry there. The biggest problem we had while we were on site was finding a place to baptize. You're, You're getting ready to baptize. Everybody in this room needs to be baptized if you're not already. And you also need to get in a life group and go to step four and eat the free lunch and whatever else they <laughs> tell you. To, you need to do it all. Just jump in all the way. But anyway, we couldn't find a place to baptize. There's no water. They're having, to, they're having to walk to the nearest river and dig down in the riverbed just to find water. It was really sad. Uh, little children in places like that, they usually run up to you and they're asking for candy or maybe money. In this case, little bitty kids were asking for water. They were holding empty water, uh, little plastic water bottles, just no water. And so to see them praising God and rejoicing, they've only been in the faith three months. That's, that's pretty encouraging. Let me show you a few pictures or a few slides if you put the first one up for me. Let's see. This Again, these, these numbers are out of date. We plant, it's about 26 churches a day now, so they, they, they get out of, but that's, that's about where we were, I don't know, a few weeks ago. Uh, look at the next picture. And by the way, these are real churches. We don't count them until we see them. About a third of our cost, it costs us $300 to plant a church, raise up uh, the Timothy. But about a third of that cost is in verifying. We believe integrity matters to God. It matters to us also. So these are real numbers. That number there of widows and orphans has actually jumped, Greg, to over 12000 now. And we don't have to raise any money for that. If you have a heart for orphans and widows, we teach our new churches to take care of the orphans. See, we believe the church should have a transforming effect upon the community. Greg, I know you believe that very firmly. And where we work, orphans and widows are just everywhere. And so the, we target everyone. If you're breathing, we'll target you. But we especially target orphans and widows. 12,000. If you figure 30 bucks a month to take care of an orphan, times 12 months times 12,000. You're well over a million dollars and we don't have to raise a single penny for it because we've taught them that's what the Bible teaches. These are first generation believers. They've never had a Christian in their family. So when they they accept the Lord, they're accepting His authority, the Bible. And they do what the Bible says to do. Look at the next picture. This is uh, well, just one of the little orphans there. Again, there's 12,000 of them. Next slide. Uh, that's one, two, and the next slide, and that's, this is not an orphan. This is, this is Babu. Babu was a terrorist, went to prison in a country in Asia, and while he was there, two missionaries came by, and they sold him a New Testament for a few rupees. And Babu read the entire New Testament the first night. Just lay there in his cell reading the New Testament. Accepted Christ, when he got out of prison, he became a Timothy, and he had his little church, which you'll see in a moment, very humble little church. They support four orphans and two widows without any help from people like us. Look at the next picture. This is one of his orphans. It's a 17-year-old girl. Babu had gone into a village and preached where there's never been a church. As Greg just mentioned, that's, listen, just in India alone, there are 300,000 villages that have never had a church of any kind. They are not rejecting Jesus. They don't know who he is. And they don't know because we haven't told them. Well, uh, Babu went into one of those villages, preached the gospel. Several people responded, including this girl's mother. The rest of the villagers gathered around and began beating the new believers. And I don't know why we don't see this stuff on the news, it's happening every day, literally every day. And they began beating them and beating them. And finally, everybody said, we changed our mind, except this girl's mother. And she watched as they beat her mother to death in front of her eyes. And by the way, that happened this year. And so uh, Babu took this girl. She's one of the four orphans. Next picture is a picture of his church. This is who's taking care of those four orphans and two widows. They sit on the blue tarp. Uh, their worship instruments are probably a couple of sticks they beat together. Uh, you can see the roof there. It's it's uh, uh, actually it's quite low overhead, not to mention overhang. But uh, it's pretty these, these it's pretty uh, pretty uh, uh pretty uh low cost way to start a church. These people are taking care of four orphans and two widows. Now, is does anyone in this room besides me feel like you need to get right with God? Anybody at all? Oh my goodness, we we have it so good, don't we? Look at the next picture. This is a, a picture of one of our UPGs. Greg mentioned them. A UPG is a people group. You know when Jesus said make disciples of the nations? He used the word ethne. We get our word ethnicity or people group from it. There are thousands of people groups around the world down in Florida where I used to live, they had the Seminole Indians. It's actually, it's not, I'm not talking about FSU. I'm talking about there's actually Seminoles there. Out west you have Navajo Indians. There are people groups all over the United States. And it's that way all over the world. There are still over 7,800 people groups, nations, Jesus said, that are considered unreached. Uh, less than 2% of them are Christian. And the, the church is so weak, they can't, they can't evangelize their nation without help from the outside. Now that says we're engaging 200. Uh, Greg, as of January, we'll be engaging 350 UPGs. And and every cent you guys have given has gone towards UPGs or UPGs. This is the bottom rung. These people have not been engaged. Here's the difference. If you guys are a UPG, an ethnicity that's a UPG, we have given you the gospel. Very few of you have responded. You're kind of weak. If you guys are a UUPG, nobody's given you the gospel. According to the experts, no mission board, no agency, nobody, nothing, nobody has actually engaged you with the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean that no one's become a Christian. Somebody may have bumped into one of you one day and led you to Christ. But there are few to no known Christians. No one's trying to reach them. There's still 2,600 UUPGs in the world. These are nations. Okay? And we are engaging 30 of them and I can tell you this time last year there were no churches in those 30. Right now we're approaching 100 churches that have been started in those 30 UUPGs and that's exciting to me Greg. Those are people that will be around the throne one day. Look at the next picture. Uh, These are 10 of our Timothys that we've trained to reach UUPGs in Nepal. Every one of them except one has seen at least one church started. And then there's the next picture. I'm just about done with this. This is one of the missionaries to a UUPG. Next slide. He, uh, his name is Surrender. He led that little short guy to the Lord. His name is Vinod. Vinod knew a couple uh, from this particular UUPG, a husband and wife that were always fighting, just fighting like cats and dogs. They needed peace. They had no peace. When he accepted Jesus, God gave them peace. God gave many of you peace when you accepted Christ as your Savior. does the same thing around the world. And so Vinod thought, God gave me peace. I found peace through Jesus Christ. Maybe Jesus would give my couple friend peace also. So he went to the lady, next slide, and, this, and, and told her about Jesus. She accepted Jesus. Then her husband accepted Jesus. They no longer fight, and at least not like cats and dogs. And this is the first female ever led to Christ in that particular uh, UUPG. And so, uh, I'm here today to say thank you. I've grown to love uh, your pastor. He's a dear friend. Uh, How blessed you are. And I am blessed to know you, your partners with us, on behalf of at least a thousand people on the other side of the world that you won't see until, until you reach heaven. Thank you. Thank you, Destiny Church. Thank you for your prayers, your giving. Thank you for supporting your church here. We believe the front lines of ministry is not what we're doing. It's what you're doing. Ministries like TTI cannot exist without strong churches like Destiny. So, so get plugged in. Get into those life groups. Just, just jump in all the way. You've got a man of God here leading you. Follow him. Let him be a blessing to you and your family, your children, your grandchildren. And again, thank you for the, Greg, thank you for the opportunity to partner with you. I want to speak to you this morning on a subject that is dear to me. And if I were going to title it, I would just call it, Living with Eternity in View. Paul made a statement in Colossians 3, and I, I could read the whole passage, but verse 2 is good, I think summarizes it. Paul said, set your minds, the old King James Version says your affections, Set your affection, your focus, your priority, your attention, your heart's desire, your minds. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Easy said, hard to do. A few months ago, I attend a church when I'm home down in Raleigh. You know Jimmy Carroll, uh, LCN Church. And uh, the admin called me one day and said, David, uh, Jimmy wants you to come and make a video for us. I said, I'll do anything Jimmy wants me to do. And he, I said, what's the video? And she said, we want you to talk to us about living with eternity in view. And teach us how to live with eternity in view. And, and by the way, the video has to be less than two minutes long. Okay. So... How do, you te- how do you tell somebody how to live with eternity in view in two minutes or less? But worse, I don't think I know how to do it anyway. I'm still struggling. I'm six, almost 64 and I'm still struggling with that. And so I said, listen, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. There's got to be somebody else more qualified than me to make this video. And I got to thinking about all the people I work with overseas. See, I work with giants. I work with people that actually do this. Uh, there's a picture of a of a lady there, if you'll put her picture up. Yeah, her name is Leilani. Let me tell you something about this lady. She's a Sri Lankan. Her uh, Buddhist, or she was. Her husband was a Buddhist monk, accepted Christ. He began making disciples, and those disciples began planting churches. Little churches began to multiply and spring up like rabbits everywhere. At some point, the other local monks got, became upset. <clears throat> they came to his house. They pulled him outside of his house one night and they beat him to death as his widow there, now widow, Leilani, and their son watched. Leilani picked up his mantle and began making disciples and starting churches. That's her picture there in the middle. And the people directly around her are the disciple makers that she has discipled in this last two years. The picture's outside and they keep going down and over. My camera just wouldn't get them all are the people that they in turn have reached for Christ in the last two years. We're talking about, and by the way, when that lady walks into the room, you feel like you're in the presence of, of a saint. I've stood next to her as she sings. Her voice is not that great, but I think the angels stop and listen. I've watched his tears flow down her face, and she just raised her hands in and, 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 and praise to God. When she prays, the room gets quiet. And you listen, Uh, we have mainly Pauls, but we have a few uh, Paulines, and she's one of them. And I, I want to tell you something. That lady, that lady knows how to live with eternity in view. That lady knows what it means to set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. Most of us, I said us, me too, we live more for the here and now than the there and then. You see, our culture... Everything in our culture works like a giant magnet. You, you come to church on Sunday, and you, you hear the Scriptures, and it makes sense, and you, want to, you, you, know your, you know your life's messed up, and you know you need help, and you believe there's a God, and you're willing to trust Him, and, and you say, I'm going to jump in. But, 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 but during the week, there's so many pressures and tensions and problems and distractions. I mean, it doesn't take long, but by Monday or Tuesday, your, your, your focus is pulled away from that which is eternal, and placed back on the busyness and the distractions of this life. I grew up, I was one of those uh, blessed ones, I grew up in a really solid Christian home. I grew up hearing stuff like this all my life. Only one life, it'll soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I believed that as a little boy, because that's what I was taught. I grew up hearing songs, I'm from Atlanta, I grew up hearing songs like uh, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the, the blue. I grew up hearing stories like the missionary who was martyred down in South America. When they found his Bible they opened it up. He had written inside of his Bible these words. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I grew up on stuff like that. I grew up reading the scriptures where I read where James, the little brother of Jesus, wrote these words. What is your life? It's just a vapor, a mist. It appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. You know how on a cold winter morning you walk outside and you can see your breath? How long long does your breath uh, uh, linger there? Just for a moment. James is saying that lingering breath compared to your life, is like your life compared to eternity. And we focus on the lingering breath. How foolish is that? I grew up hearing, reading words like these from Jesus Christ. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Jesus said those words. I grew up hearing these words from Jesus. If you save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and the gospels, you will save it. Who actually believes that kind of stuff today? Yet that's what Jesus said. I grew up reading words from Jesus like these. Lay up treasures for yourselves in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. He said, do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth because thieves will break through and steal. Thieves are everywhere. They're all over North Carolina where I live now. Uh, how many of you locked your car doors in the parking lot? Let me see your hand. I did, and it's not even my car. It's a rental car. And I, I still lock the doors. Why? Because there are thieves. There are thieves everywhere. I grew up here reading these words from Jesus. Seek first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And then Paul comes along and says, Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Oh my goodness. It sounds good. It preaches good. But how do you do it? You see, you come in here, you get all excited, you make the decision, I I have decided to follow Jesus. But then you go out in the real world and there's so many problems and difficulties and distractions and pain. And some of you are going through a divorce, and you got little children being born that are, that are, that are hurting. You've got, some of you can't pay your, some of you, got, some of you guys, God bless you, you're working, you're working 70, 80 hours a week, two, three jobs, just to try to put braces on your kids and send somebody to college and, and just to keep the the, the power on. And you're gonna, you're working yourself to death, and you're finally gonna. When you finally get enough money to retire, you're gonna retire, and you're probably gonna die a week later. And then your wife's next husband's gonna spend all the money you saved up. He better keep his money, his hands off my money. Okay. You see, there's, it's, it's, You say, David. This is like pie in the sky stuff. It, you know, it sounds good, live with eternity. But the real world is, you got bills to pay. And you got a cranky boss. And, and your wife's mad at you. And the dog's mad at you. And your mother-in-law's coming to visit. and you got all kinds of problems, amen? And so, how in the world do you do this? Well, I am no expert. But I'm going to tell you what helps me. It's real simple. It's so simple. I mean, it's really simple. Believe the Bible. Just believe the Bible. We say we do, but I'm not convinced. You see, the Bible is God's inspired word, and it literally came out of the breath of, of, uh, out of the mouth of God. That's what it claims about itself, at least. And there's. Listen, God's words have power. For example, God spoke one day and absolutely nothing became absolutely everything. God spoke and Mount Sinai just erupted into fire and lightning and thunder. God spoke and the windows of heaven were open and the rains came down and the floods went up and that ark was raised up off the face of the earth. God spoke and the wind and the waves just became still. God spoke and deaf ears were open and blind eyes could see and crippled legs could jump and and leap and run like a deer. God spoke and a handful of food became a, a feast that fed thousands. God spoke and demons, demons were terrorized. And I've seen it with my own eyes. God spoke, hanging on a cross, dying. All He said was, it is finished. Satan's head was crushed. And through those words, we can all now be forgiven of our sins by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The words of God have power. And that Bible, it's full of His words. That's what it is. It's the words of God. When you really believe that stuff, I'm not talking about up here. I'm talking about when it moves from here to here. You really believe it and you trust it. Oh my goodness. You find yourself pulled away from the distractions of earth. You find yourself setting your minds on on things above. The problem, Greg, is I'm not convinced we Bible believers really believe the Bible. I'm convinced that we've convinced ourselves that we do, but I'm not convinced that we really do. For example, I think most of us believe in heaven, but I'm not sure we all believe in hell, because I don't know how we can really believe there's a hell and not try to warn people not to go there. I mean, Jesus had some pretty awful things to say about it. If it's half as bad as he said it was, I can't think of anybody I'd want to go there, nobody. Yet we hesitate to warn people. Do we really believe that He is truly resurrected, seated on a throne, and that He will one day judge the world? Do we really believe that? Do we really believe He's coming again? Do we really believe that if we give, it shall be given to us? Is that why we give the way we do? Do we really believe that He hears and answers our prayers? Is that why we pray the way we do? Do we really believe that it's His desire, His command his commission that all nations every ethnic every people group be given the gospel do we really believe that the ministry of reconciliation has been entrusted to us that we have been given that ministry that it is our opportunity honor to go out and tell the world you be reconciled to God do we really believe that we are his ambassadors that we represent King Jesus Christ in a foreign world do we really believe that do we really believe that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins? You see, it's a lot easier to live with eternity in view when you simply, really, truly, honestly, 100% believe the Bible. The Bible is an amazing book. We have a story that came out of, out of India. A young man, about 20 years old or so, 18, lived in a home where mom and dad again were fighting like it was World War III every night. Dad would come home, get drunk, start picking at his wife. His wife was a little spunky thing. She'd fight back. And it was just like, it was like blood and guts every night. And he grew tired of it. He'd go back in the back room and cover his ears. One day he's out on the streets and one of our Timothy's approaches him and starts talking to him about Jesus. And he hands him a little piece of paper that talks about the peace of God, how you can have peace. And the young man thought, I need peace. How do you get this piece? And the Timothy opened his Bible and read those words of Jesus. Peace I give you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. You know that verse, John 14 there. And the young man said, can I have that book? And the Timothy said, no, it's, it's my only Bible. I can't, I can't give it to you. But, but he gave him a little piece of paper, a little track. And the, the, the guy who was struggling for peace got to thinking he had heard about a man in the next village over who years ago had, become a, had supposedly become a Christian but then went back to worship his goddesses, gods and goddesses. He thought, I bet that guy has a Bible and he doesn't need it anymore. So the next day he went looking for that man and she, finally he found him and the guy came to the door and he said, do you happen to have a Bible I'll I'd like to see your Bible. And the old guy thought, he said, you know, I think I do have one, come to think of it. And he went back and rummaged around the shelves until he found it. He brought it out. It was covered with dust. I call the story the old dusty Bible story. And he showed the young man, the young man said, can I have that Bible? And the old guy said, no, you can't have it, but I'll sell it to you. And so he sold it to him for about a equivalence of about a dollar, about 50, 60 rupees. The young man took that dusty book home that night when mom and dad started slugging it out. He went in the back room, closed the door, and he did what some of us do. He just kind of opened the Bible and started reading. And he had no idea what he was reading. It was just the Bible. And as they got louder, he'd get louder. He'd he'd read louder and louder to drown them out. That went on for several nights. One night, mom and dad both came down for breath at the same time. Do you all ever do that at home? You know, you both. And they they came down for breath at the same time. That was a joke. They came, came down for breath at the same time. And when they did, they could, oh, they could hear their son reading in the back room. And the father looked at the mother and said, What is your son reading? And she said, I have no idea. And she said, Let's go find out. And they went back and they put their ears against the door and they could hear him just reading from the Word of God. They looked at each other and said, those are strange words. We've never heard words like those. They opened the door and said, son, what are you doing? And he said, I'm reading from the Bible. They said, what's the Bible? He said, it's God's Word. It's the words written from the Almighty Himself who created the heavens and the earth. They sat on the floor and they said, read more. He continued reading those words. Long story short, that man stopped drinking. That man became a follower of Christ. His wife became a follower of Christ. The young man became a follower of Christ. He became a Timothy. Started a church in their house. They got 20 or 30 of their relatives there now. Relatives and friends who have become Christ followers. And there's now peace in that home. Now let me tell you something. You can go to the Leesburg Library. I'm I'm assuming that you have one here. You can go to the Leesburg Library and you can check out every book on every shelf and read every word and it will not transform your family like the Word of God. It will not do it. Guys, you can read every article that ESPN and Sports Illustrated put out and it will not change your life like that. The Bible is an incredibly powerful book when you believe it. You must believe it. How do you live with eternity in view? You believe the Bible. And i got to stop. How do you live with eternity in view? Quickly, you love the Lord. You just love the Lord. You see, I'm convinced that we love the Lord, but I'm also convinced that we don't love the Lord as much as we think we love the Lord. Love Him so much that you wake up in the morning talking to Him and you talk to Him all day and you listen to Him all day. One of the ancient fathers made this statement. He said, I try not to go more than 10 seconds out of the conscious awareness of the presence of God throughout the day. Boy, that statement just, just radically changed my life. May I say it again? Try not to go more than 10 seconds at a time outside of the conscious awareness of the presence of God. In other words, understand He really never leaves you. He really never forsakes you. He is with you all the time. And because He's with you all the time, don't ignore Him. Talk to Him. Laugh with Him. Listen to Him. Love on Him. And you'll find yourself living with you it when, when you just focus on Jesus, loving Jesus, and when you believe that book, what happens is all these distractions over here, suddenly they, just, they, don't, they don't become that important. And you find yourself focusing on things above. I'll close with a story. Uh, I travel a lot. I'm not home a lot. And sometimes when I get home, it's been several weeks since I've seen my wife, and she's so beautiful. We've been married 40 years. Uh, I used to hear old people say my wife is more beautiful now than the day we were married, and I used to think uh, he needed to get his eyes checked. (laughs) However, now that I've been married 40 years, I understand it. She's so beautiful to me. And I can't wait to see her, and I just want to be with her. And I have one of these easy chairs at home. Some of you men know it's kind of like a, a throne. Men love these things big old padded chair, the, the, you know, where you put your arms are like that wide, and I can, I can swivel back in it, and I got a flat screen TV, and I can, I can watch, I can click with this hand, and I I can put my food here, and I can eat and drink with this hand, and people say, what do you do for a hobby? I'm telling you right now, this is what I do. I can watch six or eight shows at the same time, and, and i know i shouldn't do it cuz i've been away from my wife and she's missed me and and so but she doesn't say a word she doesn't she doesn't nag on me she just goes over and she puts her glasses down to the end of her nose and gets her ipad and she does her facebook stuff and so she's doing facebook and i'm i'm eating and drinking and watching sport center or watching some game or some news show and and when a commercial comes on, I'll look over and see her. and She's so pretty and she's not fussing at me. And I, I know what I ought to do. I, I need to cut that TV off. I need to go spend some time with her. And I fully intend to and I want to. But all of a sudden, uh, top ten plays of the week. Amen. And it gets my attention. I, I, I'm distracted is what's happening. And so I watch that and then a commercial comes on and I but then I, then I, some new show comes on, somebody had breakfast with the Russians, or they're having lunch or dinner, everybody's eating with the Russians, and, and I'm, I'm going back and forth, and, and then the North Koreans get in on it, and, and, and just all this stuff, and, and then all of a sudden, all my favorite shows are on commercial at the same time, I hate it when that happens. And I look over, and she's just sitting there, oh, and she's so Beautiful. So I say, darling, will you come here a second? And she'll look up at me and she'll say, why? And I'll say, I just want you to. And she'll say, I'm busy right now. I'll say, you're not busy, you're just doing Facebook. Can you come here for a second? And she'll say, she'll say, ah, and she'll put it down and she'll walk over and she'll look at me and she'll say, What? And I'll say, will you sit down right here for a moment? And she'll say, why? I'll say, don't make me beg. Just, just sit down for a second. And she'll sit down. And our faces are about this far apart. And I don't say a word and she doesn't say a word. We just look into each other's eyes. And after about 10 seconds, she will smile. And I'm in heaven. I don't care about Sports Center. You can all go to dinner with the Russians for all I care. I just don't care. All you got to do is look in her eyes. Hear me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look into His wonderful face. Things of earth strangely down in the light of his glory and grace. you want to live the life Jesus wants you to live believe the Bible love the Lord and if you struggle with doing either of those ask him for help 1 John 5 says if you ask anything according to his will he'll hear you, if he hears you he'll answer it and I'm telling you it's his, his, it's his will for you to believe the Bible and love the Lord, so ask him for help Destiny, I love you. Thank you so much.